Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program. Excited that you're here with me today. Golly, we've got such a great show for you today. But first, I want to say thank you to our friends at Outpost Coffee for providing us with incredible beverages. Check these guys out at outpostcoffeeco.com. I firmly believe that the gospel has the power to transform lives. I believe that God's word never, ever returns back null and void. On today's program, I sit down and I talk with Laura Perry and her journey through transgenderism. She was born a woman, but she had the desire to be a man. So I have a conversation with Laura about that journey and how the gospel impacted her life. I pray that this conversation encourages you. Welcome to the Northfield Nation, Laura Perry. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Man, I'm excited you're here today. So um, for anybody that doesn't know who Laura Perry is, I want just just a 30,000 foot view of who you are. Okay. Um, well, I grew up in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and uh, I attended First Baptist Church. We were in church all the time, but um, I lived almost nine years as transgender. And so... Um, I'm just here to tell my story and tell how Jesus Christ delivered me. Awesome. Okay, so anybody, that, what made you decide? That, my, my first question is, what made you decide to leave being a woman and wanting to be a man? What was it that just really drove that desire? I think, oh, you know, it started with lies I believed in childhood. Um, mm-hmm. And these are things I think I might have grown out of. Um, there were a lot of problems with my mom and just didn't get along with her well, but was very close to my dad and my brother. Um, And then some very thing, but I think the biggest thing what happened was I got real into pornography when I was, um, uh, well, sorry, let me back up just a second. Um, I was molested when I was only eight years old by a boy that was nine. Mm. And that just really changed me. And I I became very sexualized. And so it sort of changed my whole worldview and it warped my um, view of love. Mm. You know, and uh, so that's when I started getting into pornography, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And over the years, um, became more and more sexualized. I started experimenting around with my friends, and um, by the time I was a teenager, I was just sleeping around everywhere, and it um, it just began to destroy me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, finally, when I was in, in college, um, I had gotten so low that I was I was basically going all over the state meeting uh, random men and just casual encounters just because um, I was looking so desperately for fulfillment. I couldn't understand that giving men everything they wanted wasn't making them treat me any better. I kept thinking it would. And I thought I would find love that way, but I never did. And so I kept kept thinking that the reason I wasn't happy is because I was supposed to be the man. Oh, wow. And so that I just began to believe all those lies that I'd believed in childhood about who I was. Um, it really began to, to feed um, this desire. And eventually I, I just kept thinking about it more and more. And I was like, yes, this is who I am. And I'm just going to be a better man than any of these guys. And um, this So you thought because you, you thought if, if I become a man, yeah. uh, that they've got it all figured out. And they're the ones that are happy. And I'm the one that's miserable. So right. if I become the man, then I'll become happy yeah wow wow. and i I really saw men as having the control in the relationship okay you know because it was always um guys that were dumping me and then you know they could have uh whatever they wanted whenever they wanted sexually but it was like you know if i wanted anything well it didn't matter you know it was always what about them and what they wanted but i didn't realize when i first went into the lifestyle 
it was like once I bought into that lie, I forgot all that, and I really forgot um, all the things that had caused it, and I really began to just believe I'd always been that way. And that's wow. what I hear from most transgenders. And um, for years, in fact, when I first went to the therapist, um, which was a legal requirement at the time, you had to have so much hours of therapy before they would give you a prescription for the hormones. And I remember talking to her, and I was so convinced that's who I was. I didn't want to hear any other opinion. or um, And it was like the blinders came on, you know. Wow. So you, you actually, did you go ahead with, with the hormone therapy? to? I did, yeah. Okay. And what was sad to me, too, as I was talking to the therapist, I remember at one point uh, we were talking, and um, I guess just to tell a little bit about the relationship with my mom. Sure. She was, um, I love her dearly now. I don't blame her at all, but just to give you a little insight, um, she was um, extremely legalistic growing up. Um, she had a lot of religion, but not really faith. It, there was a big difference to me. And I never really heard a lot about faith. Um, it was always like all these works that you have to do, all these boxes you have to check. But as a result, she was extremely tired and stressed out all the time because she was working so hard for God. Um, she was not only extremely busy at the church, involved in everything she thought she should be involved in or everybody else thought she should be on. You know, if anybody mm-hmm. asked her to do anything, she was going to do it. Yeah. And But plus trying to take care of the kids in the household, working part-time and... She didn't really let us help with chores or anything. I had really no chores as a kid because, you know, mom could do it, and she was going to run the household. And um, so I, she was so exhausted all the time that most of the time, if, if I wanted her to do something with me, it was like, go away, just get off me. Just yeah, just leave me alone. alone. Yeah, because looking, I didn't understand that as a child, but looking back, she was exhausted mm-hmm. and just had no time. And um, But I perceived that as mom doesn't want to be around me. Yeah, mom doesn't like me. Yeah. Oof. And... Um, and then to kind of make matters worse, I she was very different to my brother because I was very hyper, I was obnoxious, I, was, uh, <laughs> I really was. I was the youngest and I was kind of rambunctious. My brother was very, very quiet and obedient, and so <clears throat> he would get kind of different results from her. You know, yeah. and he, um, she would kind of want him around because he wouldn't drive her nuts. And uh, But I just thought it was a gender difference. And I remember one time uh, I found out my, my mom had miscarried two boys between me and my brother. Okay. And uh, so I remember I got excited one day, and I said, hey, if my brothers had lived, we'd have five kids instead of three. And they said, well, no, we only wanted three kids. We would have likely stopped if one of them had lived, and you wouldn't be here. And, oh, my goodness. You know, and I know they meant that, I think, to, to tell me, you know, God must have really had a plan for you. Sure, but you God, heard something completely yeah, different. Oh, what I man. heard is God killed my brothers, <clears throat> so, you know, um, and he wanted so that this girl could be here that mom doesn't even want, you know. Wow. And so that's those are the lies that I really believed when I was a child that just, and I fed this idea of being a, wanting to be a boy over and over and over. And, um, but, you know, as I got older and I started getting into high school, when I started getting in all the sexual stuff, I really didn't think there was anything I could do about it. That's the main reason I didn't demand being transgender when I was so much younger because I hadn't even heard of it. Back then, nobody talked about changing your gender. Yeah. You know, and um, so kids that listen today might not understand that, but back then, nobody knew what transgender was. And so I felt stuck in this female body, but I just hated it more and more and more and was desperate to get out of it. So anyway, back to the therapist. Um, When she was talking to me, um, I'll never forget, we'd been talking for two or three different sessions, and... uh, 
she finally, one day, I remember she looked, I hadn't even been paying attention to what she was talking about. I was really just filling the time. I wasn't interested in therapy. It was just a legal requirement. Mm -hmm. And so I remember all of a sudden one day, she looked up from her notebook and she said, wow, you really have issues with your mom. And I just blew up at her, and I was so <laughs> mad. And I was like, "I'm not here to talk about my mom." Oof. And uh, she said, so "You want me? To, you just want me to give you the hormones?" I said, "Yes, that's all I'm interested in." And I hadn't even connected the dots. I didn't realize at that point in my life that that's what was causing a lot of these feelings. So was this therapist e- even trying? Were they trying to help you understand your feelings about your mom, or they were just there to help you jump into this lifestyle? She, I didn't real. I really thought that. I just knew this was a legal requirement. So I thought okay. I'd just go and i talk to her and then she'll give me the hormones. And that really was my own <clears throat> mindset. But I think she was genuinely trying to help me. Oh, wow. The problem was I wasn't, um, I wasn't very interested. But I wish she would at least tried or at least said, no, I'm not giving you the hormones until we talk about this more. Right. Because she just like gave in to my demands and said, okay, here you go. Oh, wow. The, so you just jumped right in. Yeah. Okay. And so I started. And from that point, I was just sold on that light I mean hook line and sinker I really believed it's who I was Mm -hmm. and especially after I started going to the sport group meetings and they tell you how wonderful this is and they say oh in a couple of years no one's ever going to know that you were a girl and you know you'll take all these hormones and you'll have facial hair and you have all these things and um you know one day no one's going to know you were a girl and so I really just thought I could completely erase the existence of Laura and uh, that did I you even just, have, you have a guy name picked out? Yeah, I I went by Jacob. I had my um, well, I went by Jake, but um, I had my name legally changed to Jacob. Wow. And uh, I eventually um, we started going to these support group meetings at first, and um, but after about a year or two, my partner and I um, he was also transgender. He was a male to female, and I was female to male, and so we kind of bonded over our transgender experience, I think, and. But we quit going to the support group meetings after a while because we realized that they were we were more depressed when we left the meeting than when we got there. Okay. And we couldn't figure it out at first. We thought, oh, it's just those particular people are really depressed. They just don't have it together. They've got other mental issues. And we didn't realize that that's really representative of a large portion of the transgender community. Um, mm. A lot of them have, have other mental issues. But um, even aside from that, there's so much depression in this lifestyle. You can't constantly live a lie and expect to be happy. Yeah. You know, you may for a while. You know, we were for the first, I don't know, couple, three years, we're happy. But um, after a while, that wears off. Yeah. You're just stuck with this reality of, okay, now I've done these things to transition. You know, I had my name legally changed. I had, in 2009, um, I had a double mastectomy and uh, with a chest reconstruction to make it look like a male chest. Oh, and wow. And then... Um, you know, so by then I was legally male. A lot of people don't didn't realize that you could change your gender legally. Um, so even on my birth certificate, it looked like I'd always been born male. I had all my social security changed and all my credit cards. Everything was changed into this male identity. And eventually I had a, a job where I was only known as male. And I was fully affirmed by everyone around me except some of my family was and some wasn't. But... Um, you know, everybody around me was affirming me in this identity mm-hmm. and it just, it didn't matter. I knew that I was living a lie and it was just eating away at me. So were you, it, when you're in the middle of, of this, how did, how did it, were you a Christian? Were you, 
how, not at that time. Okay. I, I mean, I had grown up in the church, and there had been times I'd committed my life. You know, I'd said the prayer. Sure. But it really never changed me. I remember, like, I never, um, my desires never changed. Mm. And I never really had faith in Christ. It was just all this head knowledge. Yep. And there were times in my life where I'd get convicted, like, okay, I know the Bible's true. I just don't want to live that way. So, no. so in essence, you're saying you, you were choosing, you, right. you were loving your sin yes. more than you were loving the idea yeah. of following Jesus. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's the majority of people. Yeah. In, in, yes. Okay. Yeah. It uh, really was. I mean, that was the bottom line is I really just, I wanted to go my own way and I, I didn't want to serve God and I wanted, I loved my sin. I loved myself. So uh, you, you had mentioned you'd, you got addicted to porn. Mm-hmm. How do, I mean, because that that's normal I mean, for a guy. If we were having a right. conversation with, a, with another guy, I could totally be like, "Oh yeah, yeah. I, I understand that." But for a girl, what I mean, what was it that drew you into that? Well, it's actually much more common with girls than people realize. See, and I don't. Yeah. I've heard that, but I've yeah. never really actually had the conversation. So yeah, they say. In fact, I don't know what the percentage is now, but last time I looked, I think it was around thirty-four percent of women. But I bet it's even higher now. Wow. Um, because young girls are getting addicted to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly, I think it was the sexual experience that I had when I was molested when I was nine, or when I was eight, he was nine. I wanted so desperately to be afraid of that situation. Like, I would hear on these, or see on these movies, you know, um, some situation, or you'd hear in the news about some girl that was raped, and it was this terrifying experience. But here was this boy that was, it was my friend's brother. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't afraid of him, and it was this, it was more of a curiosity thing, and it was, sure. uh, you know, and even as a young child, your body responds, you know, and you can't, it, it's hard to talk about, but I guess that um, it made me really curious, and um, it made me want to have those experiences again, but prob- when I went back and we talked about it again, he didn't want to do that again because he was afraid we'd get caught. <laughs> and so now it's like, okay, he's opened this door to me. Sure. But then close it. And, and that was part of the frustration when I was little, that I saw boys as having all this power to, like, withhold this. And so I just started experimenting around with my other friends. Okay. And then when, um, uh, mercifully, I think one of the most merciful things God ever did to me that I used to hate, I was so angry for, I could never get my weight under control. I've lost a lot of weight now, but at the time, um, I was quite heavy, and I think that kept me from a lot more sexual experiences. Um, and but but as a result, I got into pornography because I was just seeking that all sure. the time, and it was just an addiction. <clears throat> and what I've noticed with pornography, it's um, not only more addictive the more you do it um, in frequency, mm-hmm. but it also gets darker and deeper every time. You know, it's always because after a while, it's not satisfying. Right. And so you, there's always a new level you have to take it to. And it gets really scary. Um, by the time I was a young adult, there were things I was watching that were barely legal, um, if they were. And the only reason, if I hadn't been so terrified of going to prison, it, it would have gotten much worse. Right. Um, but it, uh, it was quite terrifying. Mm. So, But it was like, it was. I was just always looking for a new thrill and... It just wasn't ever enough. Yeah. So, you know, one thing leads to another, yeah. to another, to another. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, it's, I've heard guys say the same thing. Yeah. They just, uh, I've heard stories about guys that would get so entrenched in that, you know, viewing that stuff that even watching it on the screen is no longer exciting. So they have to go to, yeah. you know, some other place to get that, you know, experience. And so right. it's, it's, you know, it's a deep, dark sin. It is. Um, in fact, what's happening now 
is that children are getting so into pornography. A lot of them are being exposed accidentally, um, either on um, their social media apps like yep. Instagram and stuff where they're being exposed to it. And now they say that child child on child molestation is rising. And some really? of them are, um, you know, um, nonviolent, I would say, like mine was. Um, but there are some that are, like, violently raping kids. And they're, they say that, I saw a statistic the other day, I think it was around 48% of their offenders are 11 to 15 years old. Wow. That's, golly. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's just, it's so tragic. It really is. That's just heartbreaking to hear yeah. that I just, uh, ugh. But they start, you know, kids, I mean, take pornography out of the picture for a second. Kids will act out what they see on TV. TV, yeah. And so what's happening is they're watching pornography, and especially if they're watching anything where a man is forcing a woman or something yep. like that, you know. So they're starting to act out, and then they're all kinds of confused sexually because they're seeing both men and women, and sometimes they'll identify more with the man or the woman, and mm. they're getting just... I, I think pornography is a huge <clears throat> reason that we're seeing a rise in the gender and sexual um, confusion. Okay. Wow. That's that's very insightful. Uh, I've listened to a couple of Josh McDowell's mm-hmm. messages on, on the... The travesties and the the, hor- the horrificness of, of pornography, and, and that you're you're affirming what he has yeah. said all along. Um, one of the things that I was curious about, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, in your heart of hearts, you knew that you were a woman. Yeah. I mean, you. I mean, you're just staring yourself in the mirror, and you're looking at the, you. Know, you finished the day, and you're looking. At, you knew. How did you walk through, and how did you figure out? How did you just say, okay, I'm I am a man? How did you help yourself believe the lie? I think, yeah, at the time, I um, I believed I was supposed to be a man, but I knew I was born in this female body. So I kept thinking um, that I would eventually, um, you know, be uh, be at peace in this sure. male identity. Okay, the body's finally in alignment. So I remember one of the most telling things, when I went to, when I first went to have my chest surgery, uh, my boss at the time was a lesbian. She was very pro-LGBT, obviously. Yep. You know, she helped me plan my trip, so she was all for this. I got back, and um, I was off work for about four weeks. And so after I'd been back for a couple weeks, um, I remember one day she came to me, and she was really mad at me, and she got in my face, and she said, "Um, what is wrong with you? You're moping around. You're not working as hard. You're depressed. And I don't know what's wrong with you, but I want the old Jake back. Oh, wow. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is the happiest I've ever been in my life. You know, (laughs) like, I finally have everything I've ever wanted. I'm weekly male. I didn't tell her that, but, you know, just... Um, I'm like, I have everything I've wanted. And I had to admit she was right. I was like, what's wrong with me? Mm. And so as I thought about it later that night, you know, I kind of blew her off. I said, whatever, I'm fine. I'm just recovering from surgery. But as I thought about it, I was like, my surgery didn't make me a man. And that was devastating to me because I really believed it would. They tell you it will. You know, that you'll be more, um, because you think getting rid of these female parts, that's what's causing the dysphoria. Mm. And I thought, more lies. Yeah. Oof. And so I thought, you know what it is? It's because I still have all these female organs internally, and they're producing these female hormones, and so i got to get rid of all this. So I ended up having, it was two surgeries in one, So, um, but it was um, to remove all the female organs. And so, um, you know, after that I thought, surely this will, <laughs> I'll have nothing left female. And uh, I remember um, that still didn't work, and I was really devastated after that. I thought, and I thought, well, maybe I just need a couple more months of hormones, a little more facial hair. Well, that still wasn't working. I, like, mm-hmm. I still had this dysphoria. And I remember um, 
at the time I was using, um, you know, not to get too graphic, but I was using um, a, a prosthetic um, mm-hmm. male um, genitalia, and I thought, I remember it dawned on me one day as I was getting so frustrated just dealing with the fakeness of everything. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't realize how much transgenders have to do that is so fake, and they're constantly reminded that this isn't real. And you're injecting yourself with hormones every other week, and every time it was like, this is artificial, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but as I was messing with this thing, I'm like, <clears throat> okay, even if this was surgically attached to me, even if this is my own muscle, because in one of the surgeries, they'll use part of your arm muscle. I'm like, that's still like, it's still fake. Yeah. This is still not real. It's not the real deal. And it was just maddening to me. And I finally realized I was standing in a group of guys at work one day. Um, this was a job again, where not even my boss knew this was a new job. And, uh, I remember standing in this group of guys and they only know me as male. They have no idea I'm a girl. And I'm like, there is something intangible here that I can't put my finger on. But there is a difference between me and these guys here. And it was like, it doesn't matter if I talk about the same things, if I act the same way, if I look the same way. There is this difference that is beyond the surface. Yeah. God God created us differently. And we just, we have different. Yeah everything i mean we just even our emotions are everything's different and and satan wants so badly to have us believe these lies so that we can he's gonna he's come to steal kill and destroy our everything um in fact i could see the same thing in my partner what was funny is over the years the lord really used him in a lot of ways but he was kind of like a mirror to me because i remember thinking okay he's wearing a wig and he's putting on (laughs) makeup and he's putting on pretty shoes and he has a purse and all this and like He's still not a man, or he's still not a woman. It was driving me crazy. I'm like, yeah, what is the deal here? Because he's still, and it was something again I couldn't quite describe. It wasn't so much he had all the feminine mannerisms and all that. Yeah, but there's something beyond that, just in the way, like his thought processes are just different. And so the, I think that was really eye opening to me too. That I realized first that he was fake, and it took me a while to realize that I was too. Wow. So, how did Jesus get a hold of you? I think that's one of the most beautiful stories. You know, I had my parents just fell apart when, when I first told them I was transgender. Um, it devastated them, and my mom. Um, we hardly ever talked at that point, um, and she had always tried to fix me. She had, I mean, ever since I was little, my whole life, <clears throat> mom was always going to fix it. And what I would hear growing up, if I had any kind of problem, well, this is what we're going to do. You know, step one. And this, mm-hmm. uh, mom always had a plan, and um, but I was just determined this was what I was going to do, and they were not going to stop me. And so um, over the years, we kept in some contact, but not much. But my mom called one day and asked me to make a website for her Bible study, and I needed the money, and she was going to pay me for it, and so I said, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember this thought popped in my head, and it had to be the Lord. I didn't know it was at the time. Um, but this thought pops in my head, hey, I should make a summary for each lesson. And so I started reading her notes. Hmm. And as I did, the Word of God just began to penetrate my heart. Yep. I, I remember um, for the first time in my life um, seeing, not I had always seen the uh, Bible as God's rule book. Yeah. You know, like you are going to follow those rules or God hates you. Yeah. And um, in which, you know, obviously now knowing Christ, I know we... we if we love Christ, we will follow the, um, we will obey Him. But at the time, it was just like this, this dead religion of a checklist of things to do. Yep. 
all of a sudden, she's studying the nation of Israel and just talking about God's faithfulness to them over and over and over, and how he kept his promises and how he kept these fulfillments. And I was just blown away. And then she starts talking about types of Christ in the Old Testament. Yeah. And I had never seen Christ in the Old Testament. The, the Bible <laughs> never made sense when you see this angry, judgmental God and all these collection of Bible stories. And then all of a sudden you have this Savior. And it was like two two different things. Ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And so she start, starts talking about how Joseph was a foreshadowing of Christ. Mm. And I was blown away. And so I called her and I said, Mom, you got to tell me what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> and so she's like, she had to have been shocked, but she just starts telling me and yeah. very calmly and casually. And so I started calling her every day after work. I mean, after talking to her once every couple of months, all, yeah. all of a sudden I'm calling her every single day. And we just talked about the Bible. And about six months later, I said, Mom, what's happened to me? I said, six months ago, I was 180 degrees from where I am now. All I want is to hear about God's love and about the Bible. She said, well, I've been praying that God would draw you back like a magnet. Mm. And I said, that's exactly what God's done. Wow. And then I realized, uh, I remember right around that time, um, something had happened one day, and I had some big emotional crisis. I don't remember what it was. And um, I was telling her about it, and I was used to my mom always telling me what to do and how yeah. to fix it. And mom said, Honey, you just need to trust the Lord. And I was like, what? I was blown away. <laughs> you were expecting yeah. mom to say, okay, this is how yes. you're, this is what you're going to do, and this is how right. you fix it. Wow. Yeah. So, and mom told me to trust the Lord. Mom had never said that to me. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I said, mom, what's happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> I said, you are, and I noticed, and I thought back to all the conversation we had over the last six months. I said, you are a completely different person. And I realized that my mom had been radically changed, and she told me how she had really surrendered her life to Christ, mm. not just trying to work for God, but she truly put her faith in Him to change her and to do the work through her and submitted to the Holy Spirit and all these things. So and she, so, and in fact, not only yeah. did you change, she had this this radical transformation, yes. and it was no longer this, I've got to do this to please right. the Lord. I've got to, I, I want to just be around him. I don't yes. want to have fellowship with him. The relationship. Okay. Yeah, the yeah, relationship never side had of it. That. Mm, good for her too. Yeah, wow. yeah. So she had been just radically transformed in these years that I was gone. And so um, I remember at that moment, I, it was at that moment I knew the gospel was true. Mm. You know, not just intellectually true, but I knew that Christ was alive and that this was real and there was a transforming power there. That's amazing. And so I gave my life to Christ. But it was weird because, and my mom kept trying to figure this out because I really wanted to be a man of God. And mm. I tried to pretend I wasn't convicted. <laughs> but, but God was so patient with me. It's not that yeah. God was okay with this, but he just gently led me. Yep. But he really began go. to change me. And he began to give me a hunger and a desire for his word. I started listening to either the audio Bible or um, like Christian radio or something along those lines eight hours a day, all day wow. long at work while I was and just could not get enough of God's Word and just wanted to consume um, everything I could learn about God. Just being drawn in, yeah. like that, ma yeah. like your mom said, like a magnet. Yes, yeah. exactly. Oof. And so God was just preparing the ground uh, groundwork, and I think He was just really establishing my roots and my faith. And um, But I'll never forget, I, I kept trying to pretend like... Um, I wasn't transgender. I kept trying to convince myself that I really was a man, even though I knew it wasn't true deep down. Um, but I remember one time I, I was listening to the, the Christian radio, or I was listening actually to the um, a local radio program in Tulsa, mm -hmm. and uh, 
they, he had a, a guest on one day named, named Dr. Everett Piper, who most <laughs> people around here are familiar with. Yep. And uh, I had become a big fan of his. He was only on for 20 minutes or so every Friday. So it's like once a week, but it was my favorite show all week, and I would look forward to it all week long. So I'd been listening for months, and all of a sudden one day, he starts talking about transgenderism. I'm like, oh, man. Like, I knew what he was going to say. Yep. And I'm like, I don't even want to hear it. So I just kind of tune it out for a minute, and I'm like, maybe he'll be on to something else. And um, and then he was on to the next week. I thought he'd be on to a new topic. And he was talking about the same thing the next week, and again the next week, and again. And I was like, man, he's not like, I finally realized, okay, I've either got to quit listening to my favorite show, or <laughs> I've got to start listening to him, because I can't just I know sit here doing. on the fence and yep. like pretend I'm not, you know, not hearing Oof. this. So when I started listening, I was blown away by what he was saying. Yeah. What he was saying wasn't hateful. What he said was, we are not just made up of our instincts, our inclinations, and our desires. We're made in the image of God, and we can choose our behavior despite how we feel. And I was just really stunned by that because I thought, I just didn't want to hear it, but I knew it was true. And it made me realize this really is a choice no matter what I feel like. Yeah. And so around that time... My dad had been um, telling me about um, the rapture and about end times prophecies and all these things. And I'm getting excited about, you know, going to heaven and Jesus may return and all this. And so I called mom one day and I said, Mom, what are you studying? And she said, well, I've been studying on the judgment seat of Christ. <laughs> so all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, crud. Could, yeah, could go to heaven at any minute. And I've been excited. And I really thought at that before my mom said that, I was like, I'm just going to ride this wave. You know, I'm just yeah. going to pretend... I'll pretend like I'm wrestling with this, and then Jesus is going to come back, and you know I'm yeah. going to be in heaven. Oops, I ran out of time. Yeah. And uh, when she told me that, it was like, oh, <clears throat> man, I, I, like, I have to deal with this. And so as I went home and thought about it that night, I'll never forget. Um, I, the Lord whispered in my ear, and it was, um, Jesus said, if you stand before me tonight, what name would I call? Mm. And I was kind of stunned by that because I hadn't thought about that. And um, he reminded me of John chapter 1, where it says Jesus Christ is himself is the creator. He said, you cannot claim to love me and yet reject my creation. Wow. And I knew he was not going to call me Jake and accept me this way. And so I thought at that moment that God was condemning me. I thought he was saying, there's just no hope there's for no you. There's no hope. And so I really began to despair for a minute. But in the most loving voice I've ever heard, the Lord whispered and he said, let me tell you who you are. Mm. And it was like, it was this beautiful moment of realizing that God really had created me as who I was for a purpose. Yeah. He created me to be a girl for a reason, you know, and he had a plan for me. And I just, and it really began to sort of crumble that need to be transgender. I mean, but it, I didn't really know what to do about it. I felt too far gone. Yeah. I said, okay, God. I'm willing, and he'd begin to expose the insanity of it all with the, the bathroom bills and, you know, Target's policy of just letting a grown man go into a woman's restroom. In fact, yep. I had written an article, or I mean, I had signed, I recently wrote an article on this uh, for The Stand on AFA, um, but I had um, signed the Boycott Target pledge before I came out of the lifestyle, about six months earlier. Wow. And um, because even I could recognize it wasn't right to let him in. Insane. A, yeah, a grown yeah. man going into a little girl's restroom. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. but I didn't know what to do with it all. I kept saying, Lord, you know, what am I supposed to do? Um, I, You know, I've already had these surgeries, and I can never go back, and I just didn't think I could ever look like a girl again. Yeah. 
And I remember for a couple of months, the Lord just let me wrestle with it and just let me get really desperate. Finally, for about the last month, I, I really began to just cry to the Lord with all my heart. And I said, God, please let me die. Mm. Just take my life because I can't get out of this. I don't know what to do. And I finally, one night, when I was just at the end of my rope, I had a clear vision of Jesus getting down on one knee. He reached his hand in the pit and he said, do you trust me? Oof. Wow. And it was that moment of I knew he was asking me to leave everything. Yeah. And I said, okay, Lord, I trust you. And I did. I left my partner of almost, we'd been together eight years at that point. Um, I left my job. I left my entire identity. I left everything to follow Christ. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I, to this day, I can't explain how I came out of that other than he carried me home. I felt completely dead when I first came home. I didn't know who I was. I had such an identity crisis. But uh, three days later, my mom took me to her Bible study, and I didn't realize that those women, this had grown from 12 women in a home, and now was, at the time it was over a, um, right at 100 women. Yeah. And um, these women had been praying for me for years. Wow. And when I walked in the door, they just, I mean, <laughs> rejoicing like I've never seen. <laughs> they surrounded me with more love and That's more so awesome. hugs than I have ever felt in my life. And I just remember seeing the rejoicing in them, seeing their prayers answered and seeing the sinner come home in repentance. And I just, it was in that moment that um, I totally knew that I was not transgender. Mm. And um, God just began to crumble all of that and it just fell away. In the next couple of days, uh, my mom took me shopping and I, for the first time in years, wanted to buy girls clothing and wow. wanted to look praise the lord young. it was just this radical transformation that's so cool well laura thank you so much for taking time out of your day to to yeah. talk to us about your story and how god's faithfulness and god's word uh, in your own life has just literally the gospels transformed yeah. your heart uh, would you dismiss us in prayer yeah sure would heavenly father i just thank you so much for this day and for the opportunity to share my story I thank you, Lord, um, for your redeeming power, mm. a power that is alive and transforming. God, I just pray for each and every person listening. Um, Lord, if they're struggling with these issues, I pray that, Lord, they would hear how miserable the lifestyle is. This wasn't just unique for my story, but for many, many others I know. But I pray also they would hear the hope and the freedom there is in Christ to transform them, to redeem them, um, to give them their identity back. And for parents or loved ones that may that may have loved ones that are struggling with this. I pray they would hear, Lord, how we can share the truth in love, um, but we can also be loving. Yeah. Um, and Lord, I just pray the two wouldn't be separated. Um, but God, I just pray that um, you would also help the church understand how to respond as well. God, I just pray that we would not cast out these individuals, um, but I pray that you would just draw many more out of the lifestyle. Please and I pray, Jesus. Father, that you would draw them back and show them your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Laura. Welcome. This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartles of a Families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.